welcome to another episode of Parminio for the modern day chief of staff. One thing that is very unique and special is the relationship between the CEO and the chief of staff, between the president and the chief of staff, the commander and the chief of staff, the CFO, whoever it is that you as the chief of staff are partnering with. It's a unique and special relationship. It's unlike any other working relationship. It can be unlike any other working relationship within an organization. It's a partnership. It's a partnership based upon mutual and developed trust, which happens over time. And it's a partnership based upon a very, very strong shared understanding, shared understanding in terms of thinking and implications in decision-making and intent. Because of this unique relationship, it sets up and supports very nicely a rich and rewarding mentor-mentee coaching relationship. If in fact, the two parties the CEO and the chief of staff want to make it as such. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about the unique special relationship between the CEO and the chief of staff, along with the unique responsibilities in the job of the chief of staff that lends itself perfectly and very nicely to support a very rich and rewarding mentor-mentee coaching relationship. All right, so that's what we're gonna be covering. Um, First of all, we're gonna talk about just that, the unique relationship between the chief of staff and the CEO, and the unique job responsibilities of the chief of staff, which makes it different um, and unique and lends itself very nicely to having a rich and rewarding Uh, coaching mentor relationship. Then we're going to get into a specific approach and methodology, which is called the cognitive apprenticeship approach, which has been developed for just that, for coaching and mentoring situations where there are deeply embedded uh, wisdoms, experience, mental models, heuristics involved, whereby the expert in this case the CEO, the president, um, has accumulated this knowledge and this expertise and these mental models over a period of time. And that's how they've gained um, their wisdom and their expertise. And the cognitive apprenticeship approach is designed to extract that and transfer that tacit knowledge, that unseen wisdom and expertise from the master, the CEO, to the student, in this case, the chief of staff. Um, So we're gonna talk about how that works and how um, a chief of staff who has expertise and knowledge in that approach and process can really bring it into the relationship in a very integrated manner. So it's almost seamless in its approach. Okay, so before we get into that, let's talk about the unique relationship between chief of staff and CEO. Uh, It's unique and different than any other working relationship for the most part in almost every organization. Um, It's due to a couple of things. First of all, proximity. Um, 
if you're working um, very closely and tightly with your partner, the CEO, you may be sitting very close to them. You may be traveling with them. It's likely there's going to be a great deal of transparency in terms of emails, phone calls, meetings, and communications. You're going to see a lot more and be a lot closer and have a lot more in-depth potential understanding of each other than in any other role in the organization, right? So it lends itself to a very tight working relationship. Um, as we know, um, trust is the foundation, the underpinnings, the glue of any successful relationship, be it a working relationship, a romantic partnership, a marriage, Trust is the foundation and the centerpiece of all these relationships. Trust is built over time. It's based upon a series of successive interactions whereby each party learns to trust the other person um, through successive and positive interactions. If I have a positive interaction with my partner, the CEO, my partner, the CEO, will then have positive expectations about uh, ensuing interactions and ensuing events, and they will learn to trust me more, and I will learn to trust them more. So that's the foundation for a positive working relationship. Without that, of course, uh, nothing else really matters, right? One of the other things about uh, this relationship, which is unique and different, is because of the proximity and because of the tightness in working together, the CEO and the chief of staff are able to form a very tight, um, what we will call a shared understanding between the two. And a shared understanding me means that I can understand the intent of what they are saying. They don't necessarily need to describe everything, the CEO. I have a working knowledge of their thought processes, how they think about implications, how they think about expectations and events. And it's almost like you have telegraphic um, knowledge of what the other person's doing. You, all, you often see in sports, two players on a team um, that they just know what the other person's gonna do and where they're gonna be positioned, right? That comes from working very closely together, practicing together, playing together, whereby you just get a sixth sense of what the other person is doing. That's what can happen um, in, the, in the CEO, chief of staff relationship as well, in the partnership. Um, for a shared understanding, we like to use a definition that comes from military doctrine, and it basically says it's the ability to form ex expectations and explanations from uh, bodies of causal knowledge. So events that are unfolding, things that are happening, the implications of decisions. Um, you kind of know where things are flowing and you know where the other person's gonna be in terms of how they think. You can predict it, if you will. That's where the shared understanding comes from. And the more that you can accelerate this shared understanding through mentoring and coaching and understanding um, the wisdom, the mental models, the shortcuts, the approaches of, of each other and of the CEO, the more successful you will be able to be as a chief of staff. Um, we've talked before about Louis Berthier, who was Napoleon's chief of staff, and they had an 18-year-long relationship, often said 
that Berthier was the only person that could read Napoleon's writing. Now we don't know if that's figuratively or literal, it's most likely figuratively, but it basically means that Berthier could understand the intent of what Napoleon was ordering. Because he understood the intent, he could put it into uh, actions and execution in a much more easy and seamless manner. He didn't have to have a lot of clarification from Napoleon about what he meant. Doing and ensuing and embarking upon a nice mentoring coaching relationship, given the proximity and the partnership that exists between chief of staff and CEO, allows the chief of staff to accelerate and get to that point in a much quicker um, manner than otherwise would be possible. Right, so we want to achieve what Berthier and Napoleon had with each other. Um, we want to achieve that in as little as time as possible, all things being equal, right? So, the partnership between Chief of Staff and CEO is unique. The job of the Chief of Staff is also rather unique in terms of all positions in an organization. It's one of the few positions whereby um, a person's really going to be acting in this deeply, potentially ingrained role of proxy, representing um, your boss, your partner. You're potentially speaking for them internally or externally. You're representing them at events, potentially making decisions for them. All those are ways to explicitly work in the proxy role. The more I understand the uh, CEOs thinking, how they think about implications, explanations, expectations, and have that shared understanding, the better I can speak for them and represent their platform and stay on message. I could also be implicitly working as the proxy, understanding their decision-making style and philosophy, what's prioritized, what needs to be prioritized, what's critical, what's important, how I integrate, synchronize, filter people, processes, problems and issues and decisions through the operating cycle. Working as proxy and understanding how the CEO thinks about these things enhances my ability as chief of staff to be an effective um, person in terms of pacing that operating cycle. So, for those two factors, um, keeping those in mind, it sets up very well to support a, a rich and rewarding uh, coaching and mentoring process. Um, most CEOs and people in leadership positions will be wanting to coach and mentor. They will. Something that they can give back, and they can be grooming um, and getting ready um, the chief of staff and others in the organization for greater leadership positions. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the CEO or the president or whoever it is that your partner is, is an expert on coaching and mentoring either, right? So you as the chief of staff, if you can master mentoring and coaching approaches and bring them to bear on the relationship and reinforce them over time, you can not only um, improve your ability as a student to learn, but you can also improve 
your partner's ability to be a mentor and a coach because you're reinforcing the methodologies and the ideas based upon your knowledge and expertise of how they work. And that's just what we want to do. Okay, so moving into um, the details here on the approach of the cognitive apprenticeship. We all know what an apprenticeship is. It's an expert, a master and student. The student watches and observes. The master gives hints and coaches. The student then takes on and performs and the master watches and gives advice. Over time, the student takes on more responsibilities. We're looking to do the same thing here, but in a more cognitive sense, right? Um, and Alan Collins is one of the people who kind of developed and came up with the cognitive apprenticeship approach. What he says is that we want to use this process to make internal thought processes visible. Because these internal thought processes, many times they're mental models, they're shortcuts, they're heuristics, they're ways of doing things that the expert has developed and learned over time through trial and error. Think about the CEO entering markets, making acquisitions, um, hiring and resource decisions, financing decisions, um, complicated branding decisions, all these kind of things whereby the CEO has learned what's important, what's not important. What's important given the context of a situation. Um, we've talked about Jeff Bezos, so he's a perfect example. We don't need all the information to, to make a decision. We need about what's important, what's not important. Extracting that from Bezos, if you're his chief of staff, and kind of learning these things is not something that you're going to spill a quiz out of him. It comes over time through observing him in action and making decisions and asking questions about the decision afterwards by articulation by comparing how he thinks to other people in the organization and seeing differences, right? That's where the coaching and mentoring processes come in. Learning these things from the expert, from the CEO. Learning about how and why they lead the way they do, about how they try to motivate and engage the workforce to move all in the same direction. How they influence the team and what's most important about the team and the culture. These are the things that you wanna learn. Okay, so um, Collins, Alan Collins, talks about six specific things, six specific methods that can be used um, in the cognitive apprenticeship approach that can all be used for coaching and mentoring. Number one is modeling. Number two is coaching. Number three is scaffolding and fading. Four is articulation, five is reflection, and six is exploration. So those six specific methods can be used by both the expert, the mentor, and the student, the learner in the relationship, okay? We're gonna talk about each of those specific things. Um, Collins also talks about content, what type of content is involved. And he talks about four specific areas of content that you as a student want to be understanding and learning. First is domain knowledge. That's like facts and figures of the domain. That's the easiest to kind of grasp. You can kind of read it, rote memorization. The second is what uh, Collins calls heuristic approaches. 
These are basically shortcuts acquired through practices of problem solving over time. Mainly comes from, from practices, from doing, from exercising, from rehearsing and learning, right? Not something that you can just easily read about. That's what makes the process of, the, of mentoring important. Um, Collins talks about control strategies. These are approaches for addressing a solution process and learning strategies, methods and techniques by which you learn over time. All those content pieces are important. All right, now if we get into the methods, number one is modeling. I can do modeling through observation. I can observe my business partner, the CEO, the president. I can watch them in different forums and scenarios perform. I can watch them lead a staff meeting, the board meeting. I can watch them deal with contentious emotional issues. I can watch them as there's disagreements and how they handle that. And I'm observing, I'm not just watching, I'm observing for the language they use, the body language that they use, the words, right? All of those types of things so I can see how they're and why they're effective. After I'm watching them and observing them, I can ask questions. Why specifically did you do um, and you choose the words that you did? Was there anything specific about how, why you stated the problem as you did? Those are all techniques I can use in, in modeling. One specific thing you can do, there is a technique called visual literacy. Um, we actually will have a chapter in our book about that. We'll do a podcast on it. But studying and using the method of visual literacy allows you to train yourself to be a better observer, right? To really understand what you're seeing and what's going on. So modeling is something I can do and I can observe my partner and learn from them, ask them questions. And I can do that in a very non-invasive, integrated way. It doesn't have to take a lot of excessive work on the part of my partner and CEO to do this. I just have to be remembering to do these things, okay? The second method is coaching. And coaching involves hints, feedback, reminders, challenges, things like that. And what I can do here is as I'm doing something or performing something, I can ask for feedback after. Or prior, if I'm going to be representing the CEO as proxy with clients, I can ask them for some coaching tips before I go do it and some reminders, and that can be helpful for me um, to be thinking about these things. So coaching, again, something that I, as the chief of staff, can bring to the relationship, reinforce in the relationship, and as I do this over time, um, my partner or your partner is much more likely to think about these things, because that's how habits develop, through continual practice, through continual use, over and over and over until they become second nature. The third method is scaffolding and fading. It's sca that revolves, uh, revolves around support and taking away support. So, you know, it's kind of like learning how to swim in the shallow end of the pool first and then going a little bit deeper and then going a little bit deeper, right? Um, I'm still getting some support if needed, but over time it's being taken away. So it involves a sequential approach to more challenging um, environments and situations. That's something that you can bring to your relationship during your, your standard weekly, daily talks with your partner, with the CEO, 
about more challenging situations and exploring that way. The fourth method is through articulation. And that's really around statements of knowledge and reasoning and intent and why you're doing things and why things are. I can articulate something in my viewpoint. I can ask the CEO, my business partner, to articulate why it is that you made that decision, why it is that you said the things that you did so I can better understand context and situation. Because context, context and situation are very important when it comes to uh, making decisions and understanding the implications of decisions, for example, right? M makes a big difference. So articulation is important. Uh, the fifth method is reflection. That really revolves around making comparisons and comparisons in performance. One of the things I like to do is record myself. Record myself on audio, record myself on video, and then I watch afterwards and I listen, right? And you can pick up and then do much more relevant comparisons between how you perform and how the expert performs. So I can record myself when I'm facilitating. I can re record myself giving a speech. I can rehearse how I'm going to perform, much like I do on many podcasts, and I hope it's effective. And then I can listen to my own performance and compare to the person that I am um, seeking to improve upon, the expert, the CEO, my partner, or other people in the organization. I can use reflection on an ongoing basis. Again, I can something I can bring to the relationship, and it doesn't have to be a, a big burden. It doesn't have to be this formalized coaching and mentoring process. That's the thing about it. I can use all these different methods, and I can integrate them in a very seamless manner into the ongoing relationship that I have with the CEO if I am conscious of it and aware of it and focused on doing it. And then as sooner or later, becomes second nature. The sixth and final method of the cognitive apprenticeship approach is exploration. And that just involves exploring new avenues, exploring new ways to improve and add new skill sets to what you're already doing. That's something you can bring to your standard and your standing meetings and discussions with your partner about new areas of exploration and new avenues to challenge yourself. Uh, it's a little bit like scaffolding and fading, but it's a little bit different in terms of you're looking more tangential. So those are the six methods. Modeling, coaching, scaffolding, fading, articulation, reflection, and exploration. All those methods can be used in a very um, non-invasive, integrated manner where you're building them into the core of the relationship as you're building trust, as you're building a shared understanding. And as you're doing these things, it reinforces the ideas of building trust and building that shared understanding because the, your partner, the CEO, can see you're actively working to accelerate your knowledge, to accelerate your skills, and to become the best and the most effective chief of staff that you can be. This helps support a very enriching and rewarding relationship. It sets everybody up in the organization for greater levels of success. It grooms the chief of staff for leadership positions in the organization. It helps the organization benefit from that for sure. And the chief 
executive officer, the CEO, is benefited by both of those. Also, because you're bringing this approach to your partner, the CEO, as they learn more techniques about coaching and mentoring as you're doing this, they will be a much better mentoring coach in the future to their other direct uh, employees that work for them and to their future chiefs of staff. So you're doing a lot of benefits by bringing this approach um, to your relationship. In summary, the relationship between chief of staff and their partner, the CEO, the president, whoever it may be, um, is a unique and special relationship. We can make it much more rewarding and much more beneficial by adding in a very nice and enriched coaching and mentoring relationship, which can benefit all. All right. Thank you for listening once again to this episode of Parmenio.